In today's episode of Trouble to Snap, we will be previewing the college football playoff as well as New Year's Six Bowl games, and then jumping into some transfer portal talk as well as what a hypothetical 12-team playoff would have looked like this season. Roll the intro. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trouble with the Snap. I'm your host, Colin Deutsch, joined, as always, by the king of College Station, Katie, and everything in between, Will Shemansky, joining me in person. Will, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it's kind of crazy that we're finally in person. It's weird, but I, uh, I like it a lot. Um, I'm doing all right, though. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just excited to do this in person. I mean, we... We don't see each other all the time just due to us living a little bit far apart in Houston and obviously going to different colleges. So it's definitely fun to, to record an episode in person. I think it's going to flow pretty well and hopefully the audience will hear a difference. I would hope so. Um, yeah, I will say though, we haven't, rec- as everyone knows, we haven't put out any new episodes or you and I haven't even thought about podcasting, I think since December 5th, which was the last day we did something. So um, there certainly might be a little bit of rust we, we have to knock off, but I think we'll be just fine. I think we can handle it. And yeah, I mean, how's your break been so far? It's been really well. Um, I went out of town. Um, I went overseas for about a week, 10 days, whatnot. Um, just had a normal family vacation. It was awesome. Um, then after that, um, my dad and I went to Arkansas for, about three days, I believe we went on a little hunting trip and we've been doing that the past couple of years and, um, we had a lot of fun. And then of course, as soon as we got back, it was just in time for Christmas, which I know is your, your favorite holiday of the year. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, no, since, uh, since I spoke to you last on the show, I've been uh, pretty busy, but, um, I've been having a great break. How about yourself? How was, uh, how was Hanukkah? It was great. I mean, I'm certainly have not been Mr. Worldwide like my colleague here, but <laughs> it was good. I was in Austin until about the middle of August, or, sorry, of December, and then just been hanging out in Houston, kind of same old, same old. Uh, we have a group of buddies who will buy nosebleeds at the Rockets games, sit up there, shout out section 409, and we'll cheer on the Rockets who are kind of back in the playoff hunt right now low key a little bit yeah tickets are getting a, a bit too pricey I think yeah playing a little too well on a two-game losing streak though so we're gonna have to step it up against the sixers coming up but it's been fun it's nice to be at home kind of have some things done for you get to sleep in a little more and not have to worry about school and whatnot so it's been good but kind of sad the season's winding down but at the same time though uh it's it's such a a good and bad thing at the same time that the season's kind of winding down. It's, it's a bad thing of course, cause you know, we look forward to college football all year. And when you finally reach the end of it, you realize you have that, you have the long off season just staring you directly in the face, but it's also good because um, you get some of the best games of the year, at least in theory with the college football playoff and new year, six games. And well, all the madness that every other bowl game brings. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's like kind of like a given, like give and take kind of thing. But, um, yeah, whether it's the high six playoff games or seeing a coach get mayo dumped on them, college football is college football. <laughs> That's why we love it. It's just, yeah, I, I, um, didn't, they, so the Duke's Mayo Bowl, they've been around for like two to three years and didn't they just start dumping mayo on coaches like last year, maybe? I think it started two years ago. I think it was North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, oh, Shane that's Beamer right. That's right. Got that's the right. mayo dump. And yeah, I mean, Neil Brown got it this year, West Virginia, 
took down North Carolina in pretty convincing fashion. It's kind of funny for Neil Brown because I'm obviously sure that he's very happy to no longer be on the hot seat, but you get to keep your job, but you also get a bunch of mayo dumped on you. So it's kind of a give and take there. So I got to ask Colton in a hypothetical scenario, if you were a head coach of any, like any college football program, especially, well, you tend to favor like Idaho, whatnot, the Kibbe dome, of course. So if you were able to go to Idaho and create just an absolute dynasty and you cap off your season with, um, a win in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Are you happy that you won the bowl game, or are you kind of pissed because you got you have Mayo staring like about to be dumped on you in front of your whole your whole fans and your team? And well, we all know the memes of you will live on the internet for forever. So, well, in this scenario, is the Mayo Bowl still what it is today, or has it been upgraded to a New Year's Six or playoff type of deal? That's a really good question. And quite honestly, if it was a New Year's Six game, that would be completely different. I think everyone would be would be okay with the Mayo. But since it's not a New Year's Six game like that, and it's just you know like a normal run of the mill bowl game, um, I think that's kind of I guess what my question is stemming from with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is is uh, the Mayo Bowl would probably be below my expectations for our program. So I think the only way to kind of spin it in a good way is to be a good sport about it. So I think I would take the mayo bath. What about you? So that's the that's the tough thing is that I was actually asking my dad this yesterday when we were watching the game on the couch. Because um, I was telling him, I'm like, you know, like as a coach, like you're always really happy if you can cap off the season with a bull win. Because uh, obviously it's it's hard enough to get to a bull, um, but let alone cap off the season with a win. Um I really don't know how I would feel. I would be absolutely disgusted, and especially if you saw it yesterday. Um, the ESPN sideline reporter had like a couple French fries like on standby, yeah, ready to he go. He was dipping them uh, and eating mayo, mayo dumped French fries right off the coach. So um, I'm not really sure how I would feel, but I, I would either way be happy that my team won the bowl game. Well, I also don't know what, where you go from there. I think you just throw away your clothes. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I mean. That's the washing machine and dry cleaners. They like they can only do so much. Yeah, that's a lot of mayo to get out of there. And for the holiday bowl, didn't Lincoln Riley get done with eggnog? Eggnog. It was eggnog. Yeah, that's that's gross. the first time I've seen that for the holiday bowl. By the way. Yeah, the holiday bowl's been around for a long time. So I, I also have to ask, kind of random. I know we have a few games we're gonna talk about, but um, I'm, I'm just having too much fun now. What is it with like the recent trend of like food? like bowl games like you had the cheese it bowl we have the pop tart bowl i believe tomorrow um of course you had the duke's mayo bowl where you know mayo is just king um then of course you have the holiday bowl i mean it's not like food based but lincoln riley still got an eggnog bath like what do you what do you think's up with this whole trend of food and bowl games and coaches being doused in all these different types of things I think it's great. I don't really know where it started. I feel like you kind of have that out of nowhere because I feel like the same year as the Mayo Bowl, you had the Idaho Potato Bowl with the fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get dumped on the coaches. and But now I'm looking at all these bowl games, and I want to see something dumped on every coach. I mean, because the Tony <laughs> the Tiger Sun Bowl, <laughs> you, you get dump the Frosted, like Frosted flakes, flakes on, on them. The Gator Bowl, I think you are kind of out of luck there unless you, you cook some dump gator. Like fried yeah. gator. I mean, for the Texas Bowl, I don't... You could dump quite sure what you, you dump like what kolaches on the guy. Yeah, um, just a big thing of Dr Pepper or something, or Hawaii bowl, like maybe some Hawaiian punch or something. If you were able to dump like physical Hawaiian rolls on a coach, I would love. To, I would love to play in the Hawaiian bowl every year like that. That'd be great. I'm looking at with the cheese at Citrus Bowl. I think you ought to do some some oranges and some. The cheese it Citrus Bowl. That just doesn't roll off the tongue as well. It's just the plain, straight-up cheese it Bowl. Yeah, they're kind of taking it away. I mean, the Fiesta Bowl, 
they put so when i went to the fiesta bowl when i was really young they had tostitos chips because the tostitos yeah yeah, yeah. was it the, it's the playstation fiesta bowl now or something verbo. oh the verbo i think that just switched it, it used to be it recently. used to be playstation mm-hmm. um so verbo you're gonna like dump a house on a coach now <laughs> uh, yeah i mean and you can do the same for the rose or the sugar but i like it i might so I, you, I propose some new so you, you're a fan of coaches just being dumped and doused in all these types of edible foods and things like that i mean they get paid enough money you might as well especially yeah especially if half the time if you don't even do your job you get fired and you make even more money that's a good point that's at least you really can do good, is take a little french fry bath or mayo bath that's a really good point man do you uh do you want to talk some ball a little bit like kind of the whole reason why we're here yeah, we should probably get into the X's and O's and not just what gets dumped on you after you play well enough to win the game. That's fair. Um, so as I'll just brief disclaimer, as we mentioned, the season is winding down. So this episode, depending on how much we have to say about the games we're previewing, it, it might be a little bit on the shorter side. Um, we don't necessarily like doing that, but it's just the reality of the situation with the season having let's say a handful of games left. Um but with all that out of the way, Colton, uh, would you mind diving in to our very first preview, if you don't mind? College football playoff. We start in the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Number one, Michigan versus number four, Alabama. Like we said when these matchups were announced, both semifinals are very fun matchups because it's four teams that all kind of play similar styles to the team that they are matched up with. And... Michigan-Alabama, I mean, you have an Alabama team that has really made a turnaround after the Week 2 loss to Texas and their Week 3 kind of a struggle of a win against South Florida. They're playing some really good football of late. Michigan, while they did beat Ohio State, they kind of felt like they were limping there towards the end of the year. They did not look great against Iowa, and they had a big injury on their offensive line that they're kind of trying to work through. As far as this game goes... I do think that one thing that is kind of being thrown around is that Alabama has a different type of speed than Michigan has faced all year. And while the offenses in the Big Ten have not been very good all year, Ohio State is a team that recruits at the same level as Alabama. They have a guy in Marvin Harrison, Travion Henderson, all guys that would start at Alabama. So I don't necessarily think that Michigan is going to be at a severe disadvantage athletically. But I don't know. I when I look at these playoff games, I look at which team is going to be able to make the other team sort of one dimensional on offense. And I kind of think that Alabama is going to be able to make Michigan a bit more one dimensional than Michigan would be able to do to Alabama. Jalen Milrow, obviously looking at the quarterbacks in this game, I did not think he played that well against Georgia or Auburn, but was able to use his legs in the Georgia game to help them close out the game. Isaiah Bond has played very well of late as has Jermaine Burton, but you know, well, I don't know. There's just been something about people counting out Michigan. I think Michigan finds a way to get it done. I really liked in the Ohio State game how J.J. McCarthy, anytime they ask him to make a big throw, he seemed like he could make the throw. I think Roman Wilson's going to be a big guy in this game, and I think it's going to be low scoring. Michigan's going to find a way to win a close one and get to the national championship game. So you're not you don't think Alabama has a has a potential to have the rematch that pretty much everyone was trying to see with Texas in the national title game? I think they do. And I don't know, it's just something about people counting out Michigan. I think they're almost a team of destiny this year. It seems like free Harbaugh, of course. Yeah. 
<laughs> after he died mid early in the year and then brought him back. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think I think I trust JJ McCarthy a little more than I trust Jalen Milrow. I think probably the the ceiling with Milrow is is a lot higher. But uh, I don't know. And another thing, I want to see how Milrow if he's going to really make a big jump in improvement. With the, I mean, you have a whole week, uh, a whole month off, a bunch of extra bowl practices. I think you could see him look a lot better. But I don't know. I just I kind of think Michigan is a team that would make less mistakes. Okay. I think that they find a way to win. But it's a game that I think is like maybe a twenty to seventeen type of game. Yeah. So I uh, I. I, I can totally see your argument right there uh, about J.J. McCarthy and Jalen Milrow. I mean, it just makes total sense. I mean, J.J. McCarthy, he's been there, done that. Um, of course, he's yet to win a game in the playoff, but it is what it is, and neither is Michigan as a team. But, um, you know, J.J. McCarthy, he's been on that roster for quite some time now, and he's had the starting job a lot longer than, than Milrow has at Alabama. Um, so it makes total and complete sense with what you're saying there. As for this one, uh, my personal opinion, I, I'm really interested to see um, just how Alabama comes out against Michigan because we know Michigan just has straight dogs on their team. Um, and so the thing with Alabama is that I've talked about it all year is that um, they've just gotten better and progressed week after week after week, just gotten better and better. And now that um, clearly they're – well, clearly they – reached a point where they're good enough to make the playoff. But now that they've had about a month off, it'll be really interesting to see if they are still, you know, that white hot, kind of like how they were down the stretch of their season, um, or if they've cooled off and just maybe might be out of sorts a little bit, whatnot. I don't know. That's something I am certainly keeping my eye on for this one. Um, However, using uh, my frame of mind when previewing this game is I'm, I'm think I'm still thinking of Alabama as that team that was just white hot down the stretch. So with that in mind, um, man, this this feels like the exact polar opposite of the other playoff game we have, meaning that I think Michigan and Alabama, I, I agree with what you just said a moment ago, I think will be an absolute just slugfest. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think I said this when we had our playoff kind of instant reaction episode. This game to me, it seems like it will be a quintessential, like just Big Ten classic game, meaning it, like what you're just saying, like 24-17 style game or um, like 17-10, something like that. Even though both of these teams um, have offenses that are pretty damn good, it's 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 um, this game will be won by whoever's defense makes the most plays, in my opinion. Um and so that's why I absolutely think this will just be just old school, old school, just kind of smash mouth football. Um, as of right now, I, I, I do kind of agree with you as well. I, I would probably give Michigan just the slight advantage. I mean, I could see this going either way, but um, my guts just kind of tell me right now, I think Michigan um, has just the just an ever so slight advantage over the tide in this game. Um but at the same time, I, I have, I've also said this a couple times throughout the year, I, I never want to bet against Nick Saban as long as he's on the Alabama sidelines. So it's it, this is pretty much a toss-up for me. But uh, as of right now, I still like the Wolverines um, in a very, very close game. Yeah, and that's the hard thing. I think with this game is that Bama, even though they've improved a lot, they still feel like a bit of an unknown. And, don't, and the only reason – and well, what I mean by that is that I think that we kind of know what – what we're getting mostly from J.J. McCarthy in Michigan. They're probably going to be steady. They're going to want to run the ball, which they have not been as good at late um, of, of late. And, you know, we know J.J. McCarthy is probably going to take care of the ball and make the smart read. With Jalen Milrow, he could turn it over. 
he could run for an 80 yard touchdown. Like it's, but it's at, a very high variance at the same today. time though, with Milrow is that since he's a little bit more of a risk taker like that, I mean, it's, it's like higher risk, higher reward. Exactly. So whenever it does pay off, it will, it will be awesome. But when it doesn't pay off, then it's also awful. So it's right. just, it, would you rather, I guess what you're trying to say is, would you rather have someone who kind of plays it safe, a little bit more conservative? Or would you rather have that dude who just tries to go for a home run, uh, grand slam type of play every, you know, five or so plays feels like every now and then. Yeah, and I mean, you could, if, I mean, if you look at Bama's one loss this year, I mean, you had Milrow throws two pretty bad picks, almost was another one, and then he's able to throw a beautiful deep ball for a touchdown. He has another play where it's a low snap, and he picks it up and scrambles around and throws for another 30, 40-yard touchdown. So it's kind of those, I mean, I think if you're Michigan, you are happy to play a guy like that, but I guess if you're concerned about Alabama's team speed there, then Milrow's obviously kind of a problem but I don't think that Michigan is going to have that much of an issue covering Bama's receivers so I think honestly both of these teams could make each other a bit one-dimensional another thing here with Michigan is that you know I mean their team especially in 2021 they had guys like David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchison just absolute beasts on the on the defensive line well they're still great there they don't have any sort of dominant D linemen or pass rushers which is kind of something to keep in mind here but I think we're on the same page, but this will be a great game. I'm really excited to watch this one. So, of course, with the playoff, we have two games, and so I think it's probably time that we go to the next game. And uh, once again, of course, I'll let you lead this one off, considering who's playing in this game. So, uh, Colton, of course, it's Mich- it's uh, Washington, Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Um, I-, I believe you told me that you're going to this game, so best of luck going to New Orleans or around this time of the year. Um but Colton, what what are you seeing out of this game? What are your thoughts? How one, how are you feeling as a fan? Of course, having your team in the playoff, things like that. But um, aside from re- remove the kind of the fandom cap for just a moment, as as a fan of college football, what uh what are you excited about in this game? What are you looking forward to? Um, thoughts, concerns, just preview. Just what do you see in this one? Yeah, I am going to the Sugar Bowl, Washington, Texas. This is the later game at about seven forty five Central. Uh, I mean, as a Texas fan, I'm ecstatic. As a college football fan, I'm also ecstatic. This is one of those games where I was telling Will earlier, you almost wish that you didn't have any sort of rooting interest in this game because these are two very good offenses, two defenses that are both pretty solid as well that have stepped up in big games. Texas definitely has an advantage there defensively, but just a litany of skill talent across both sides of the field, whether it's for Washington, you have... You have Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze. Texas has JT Sanders, Xavier Worthy, AD Mitchell, and also some pretty good backs there on both teams. So I think this is almost the opposite of Alabama-Michigan, where you could be looking at definitely more of a high-scoring game here. The one thing here that makes me inclined to pick Texas is that I do think that Texas will have the advantage up front on the offensive line i think the longhorns are going to be able to run the ball with cj baxter Jaden blue keelan robinson i think washington could struggle a bit there up front and on the other side of the ball whereas washington has a very good o-line they won the joe moore award the one little weakness there is their center it's only about 275 pounds he's a freshman and lining him up against byron murphy and devondre sweat is a major disadvantage for the huskies and i think that that is something that Texas could really feast on. The one thing in this game is that even if I think that Texas is going to play more physical and maybe if Texas plays the better game, 
Washington's receivers are so good that they could each go for 100 apiece and make some big plays on jump balls and stay in the game here. So overall, I mean, you have kind of a more experienced team in Washington with Michael Penix against a very experienced Longhorn team, but this also might just come down to who's going to be the better quarterback between Quinn Ewers and, and Michael Penix. And Ewers has looked good in very big games. Penix, I think, is definitely getting healthier. He seemed dinged up down the stretch, but... I don't know. I think this is a game where the Longhorn secondary is a concern on the back end there with their safeties, but I kind of think Texas has the advantage up front on both sides of the ball, and they're going to get just enough stops to win a high-scoring game. So, I've, I've just like Michigan-Alabama, I have been going back and forth about this game pretty much ever since it's been announced. I mean, you know, one day I'll wake up and I'm like, oh, Washington, like, oh, they'll probably curb stomp Texas or, like, they'll do this, that, so on and so forth. And the next day I'll wake up and be like, oh, Texas can curb stomp Washington because of this, this, and that. Like, I just, I really don't know. But the one thing I pretty much will feel like I can guarantee is that this will be a high-scoring game. Um, so, Colton, you better get your nitroglycerin pills ready, as Mr. John Rothstein likes to say. This is almost January. <laughs> Anyways, um, but for this game, it's um, it's it's really tough. I think, um, in my opinion, I think Texas is the more complete overall team, meaning that they are just both salty, of course, on offense and on defense. Um and, of course, they're pretty damn good on special teams as well with Burt Auburn just knocking them through constantly. Um, however, for Washington, I feel like they are uh, they are certainly still a complete team, but they, in my opinion, they just seem a lot more offensive heavy. I mean, don't get me wrong, their defense has certainly made plays uh, when they needed them most this season, but I feel like the ultimate like DNA of this Washington team this season has just you know just rely on your quarterback Michael Penix and just and just that entire offense just get something going um so I I, I am very very excited to see this game I, I'm probably more excited for this game than I am Michigan Alabama just because I love high scoring affairs kind of shootouts like that um for a pick I mean this is just this is where it gets tough um man I I I, I just don't know I would if I had to pick right now, which of course I do, that, that's dumb why I just said that, but um, I would most likely say Washington just because I like their receiving core just a little bit more than what Texas has to offer. Um, I'm not saying this because I'm an Aggie and things like that. I'm just, just truly as a, as a college football fan, I just, I like what I've seen from the Washington wide receiver room just a little bit more than what I've seen from Texas this year. Um, and that's not to downplay like, you know, the greats that Texas has on that roster. It's just, I just personally just have liked what I've seen from the Huskies just a hair more than Texas. So, I mean, ultimately this game still feels like a pick 'em, but that's what I'm going to rock with as of today. But I guarantee if you asked me tomorrow, I'd probably find a way to take Texas over Washington. So I, I really don't know. But um, as of right now in time of recording, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Huskies for me, man. Well, that's the other thing is that I understand why Texas is favored, but I feel like from the national media, there's this, everyone is just picking Texas and it seems like almost like a no doubter type of deal. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if, if Washington won, I mean, Texas is 12 and one Washington's undefeated. So, and they're undefeated for a reason. I think people get too caught up in the fact that Washington had a lot of close games in the middle of the year. You got to find a way to win. And the Pac-12 was, was a very solid conference this year. They played a lot of, eight nine win teams you know kind of in a row and that made it tough on them and uh, I mean one of the things that I'm really looking for in this game is that 
Texas has one of the best third down defenses in the country. They're actually number two in the nation. Washington is just is just outside of the top ten in third down conversions, and it kind of feels like when you watch Washington, especially in both Oregon games, it seemed like every single money down, Washington was the one making the plays. And so, I mean, we know how thin the margins are in college football, and especially in a game like this. But I, I mean, I don't think that you're off the mark at all. I think Washington's receivers are pretty incredible, and Dylan Johnson is. When they've got him going on the ground, kind of middle late in the year, that's that's kind of been the thing that's really opened up their offense. I just kind of think that I think that Texas has the ability to make Washington one dimensional. I don't know that Washington has the chance to do that to Texas. And if Texas makes Washington one dimensional, then you just have more guys back there to help with your kind of Achilles heel there and your lack of speed there on the back end of the secondary. Also, having Derek Williams out for the first half due to a targeting, the Longhorns freshman safety is. Kind of a problem. So we'll see if Washington just kind of goes bombs away here. But I think high-scoring game, I'm leaning Texas, but this could go either way. I think this is the best playoff that we've ever had in terms of on-paper matchups. I think every team could win it all. Yeah, no, I think this is certainly the most like level playing field that we've had for the playoff. Um, I've touched on this in the past once again, but um, in years prior to this, it feels like there's always been kind of like that one team in the playoff who usually is like the number one seed. You can just tell is just just leaps and bounds above every every other team in the field um except for this year i mean you know i i couldn't agree more this feels like the playoff field hasn't been this wide open since its inception back in 2014 i believe um so it's yeah this is just the most level playing field and it truly feels like anyone can beat anyone and so I'm here for it. I bring on the chaos, man. I, I I really would love to see something pretty chaotic go down in this playoff. And kind of jumping off of that, I mean, I think that it's funny because both, at least to me, it's it seems like the both Michigan and Washington are being picked against more so being you know yeah, picked as no. the favorites, even though they're the only two undefeated teams and they're one and two. Yeah, no, for real. I um, I'm I'm really curious to see what like the line is on these games. I, I mean, I'm of course they're posted and all that, but I haven't checked them in a while. I think Michigan's about minus two, and Texas is minus four and a half. Was the last that I saw. Okay, this is kind of random. But speaking of lines, did you see that uh, Dave Portnoy put a million dollars cash on Michigan? I did not see that. Wow. Yeah, a million dollars cash on Michigan. That but the thing with Dave though is that we probably should have talked about this in our analysis of that game as well. Um. He's posted on his Twitter and yeah, mainly his Twitter. That's like where he's, he posts all his social media stuff. He, he um, will always talk about like what his locks are and what he thinks will, will hit. And it's always been the exact opposite of that. And so um, like he, he does this, especially with like NFL games, things like that. He's like, Oh, like, uh, like prime example, like last week he's like, dude, like put the mortgage, like on the Cowboys to beat the dolphins. Well, the dolphins ultimately won that game. Um, and so I actually saw this tweet as well from flaming hot takes. Do you follow, like you have ice cold takes and then you have flaming hot takes. And so the one from flaming hot takes, um, was one that Portnoy put out. He said like, bet like this game, this game and this game. And this dude said, I'm putting like everything that I own on the exact opposite of this. And the dude who, who bet on the opposite is the one who cashed everything. (laughs) So, um, I, I just kind of got sidetracked, but pretty much what I'm saying is, um, it'll be interesting to see if the Portnoy curse is real, especially with Michigan being his alma mater, and he has a million dollars cash on there. So, you know, with that in mind, I actually, looking back, wouldn't be surprised if Alabama dropped like a 60-burger on the Wolverines now. <laughs> well, another thing, I also think that this 
this might be Jim Harbaugh's last game at Michigan or that the national championship, if they make it, would be his, his, yeah, his last game I, at Michigan. I, we, we should probably talk about that once we get past our little New Year's Six game preview, things like that. Um, all right, let's keep this thing moving a little bit. Next game we actually have coming up tomorrow um, as of today's recording, which will be Friday the 28th. No, excuse me. Thursday the 20th. Yeah, yeah, the, Friday the 29th. Yeah. Yes. Friday the 29th is Ohio State versus Missouri in the Cotton Bowl in Arlington. That's, this will be a lot of fun, um, especially because I don't think there are many opt-outs. Of course, the most glaring one for Ohio State is Kyle McCord is now going to Syracuse, which is a bit of a head-scratcher, but do you, man. Um and actually, did you see that um, Marvin Harrison, he wasn't at practice like the past few days or something? So do you think he opted out or do you think he... He's probably opting out. Okay. I can't imagine he would play, okay. which is which is a shame because that's two awesome receivers in Luther Burden and Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the whole thing with opt-outs is that I feel like if you're not like a New Year's Six game, I understand it a whole lot more than if, you, if, you know, if you're in one. Because if you're, I mean, well, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the number one wide receiver on the the draft big board whatnot so it it kind of makes sense i can see that but at the same time it just kind of sucks because i'm I'm just thinking back that whole like leonard fournette domino effect that he just he just ripples through college football because he was like the first like main notable guy to opt out of playing in a bowl game um i think it was him and cmc yeah 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 um because before that, you're expected to play unless you were hurt or things like that. But and especially because, I mean, the Cotton Bowl is a historical bowl game. It's a big-time bowl. Absolutely. But. So, um, damn, I, I get sidetracked easily, especially when we're in person. I just realized that. Um, anyways, back to the game preview. Um, Shout-out Episcopal legend Donovan Jackson. His Buckeyes taking on Missouri. Um, this game... This game could be fun, but I, I think ultimately I do still think Ohio State does have enough enough uh, firepower and enough depth, even without guys like Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. not in this game. I do still think Ohio State is just, just going to pretty much overpower Missouri, um, especially considering that Missouri is kind of, I don't want to necessarily say overachieving, but they have certainly exceeded expectations this season, especially with um, their coach, uh, Eli Drinkowitz being on the hot seat coming into this year. So, uh, shout out to coach Drinkowitz for the, the hell of a turnaround. But I, I unfortunately think that the Missouri tiger magic kind of runs out here in Arlington. So I'm actually going to go against you. Okay. I'm taking the tigers here. I just think a lot of these bowl games are about motivation. I think Missouri, this is a bigger deal for them to be in a new year's six bowl than it is for Ohio state. Like you mentioned, Kyle McCord goes to Syracuse. They are starting Devin Brown now who was a pretty big-time recruit. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, I mean, kind of the one interesting thing about this game, too, is uh, I think a lot of these bowl games are almost kind of tryouts for certain guys. If you look at the USC game last night, you have Caleb Williams going pro, and USC's looking at a couple guys in the portal, such as Kansas State quarterback Will Howard. And then you have a guy like like Miller Moss, who throws for six touchdowns last night. So he might be the guy that could possibly be in line for for the starting job based off his performance in last night's game so this is kind of a little tryout for Devin Brown I'm sure Ohio State's kind of shopping around in the portal as well and you mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. is out it just feels like more guys from Missouri are going to play you're going to have Cody Schrader Brady Cook and of course Luther Burden as always so I think that the Tigers probably want this one more and that they find a way but who knows this is Donovan Jackson's last game in college that's a very good point I think I've seen him like maybe like third-ish round Okay. Um, I don't know, but shout out to Donovan. That that'd be pretty cool to see a guy in our grade go to the draft. Get drafted early. like that. So that's the th- I haven't necessarily like whenever college football season's going on, unless it's just kind of obvious. 
I don't really look at like mock drafts or kind of projections like that. That's just not really my thing. But like once like the season's over and I can kind of like shift focus a little bit, then that's kind of when I get all into it. So um, it's actually really interesting to hear that about Donovan. I, I, you know, wish him nothing but the best and I hope he does get taken in that third round, if not sooner. Um, all right, let's keep this thing going. Uh, next game is Liberty versus Oregon. This is uh, quite the matchup we got on our hands here, Colton. But after uh, watching the SMU bowl game, it's it's pretty obvious that um, I think Liberty was in fact the right team to get the New Year's Six bowl from New Year's Six bowl bid from the Group of Five. Um, what do you got here, Colton? What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean Jamie Chadwell has done a great job there. Caden Salter, a Texas guy, Tennessee transfer, is a very good quarterback. And look, Liberty had a weak strength schedule, but they won all their games, won their conference, undefeated team, but. Oregon doesn't really have many opt-outs for this game, and Bo Nix and Bucky Irving are playing, so I think they'll be way too much for the Flames. I think Oregon takes this one pretty handily. Yeah, I honestly couldn't agree with you more. Um, quite honestly, I'm not really sure I have much to say about this game, except I just think the Ducks will absolutely steamroll Liberty. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, excuse me, on to the next game. Um, Ole Miss, Penn State, the Peach Bowl. This this is going to be a good game as well. Um Colton, lead us off if you don't mind. So you have a couple of Penn State opt-outs, particularly uh, Joe Alt, I believe, is, is opting out their star offensive lineman. But, I mean, looking at uh, looking at this game, I mean, you got both quarterbacks are going to be playing in Jackson Dart and Drew Alar. And kind of with Alar, I'm looking to see how I think he had an up-and-down freshman year in, in some of the big games. He wasn't as good as you would have hoped. But with a whole month to prepare, I think you could see some some major improvements. But... Local Miss has their whole staff intact. A lot of their team is going to play, and a lot of their team is also returning next year. So with Penn State being short of Manny Diaz at D.C., I think that Ole Miss finds a way to win the Peach Bowl. Yeah, I uh, I agree, especially uh, considering how well Lane Kiffin has been clearly winning the transfer portal so far this season. I don't see how, um, how one more win like that would be such a big shocker. Um, I'm not really sure I have much to say about this game, except for I just I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I think Ole Miss will will get the job done. I don't think it'll necessarily be a blowout. I think um, it'll probably be like Ole Miss by maybe about ten points or so. That's what I feel pretty comfortable saying. Um, but yeah, either way, I got the Rebs in this game or the Land Sharks now. Excuse me. Um, finally, the last near six game on our slate is Florida State versus Georgia in the Orange Bowl. So this, uh, I will just make a quick disclaimer. Uh, Florida State, I believe, has had 30 opt-outs, either 30 opt-outs or guys declaring for the draft or transfer portal, all the above. Either way, Florida State is down 30 guys um, from their conference championship game against Louisville about a month ago. So clearly uh, it's not looking too favorable for the Seminoles. Um, you know, some people were thinking that they might all stick around and try to really stick it to the committee one last time in the Orange Bowl against Georgia, or at least give their best effort. But that clearly does not seem to be the case anymore. Um, so with that in mind, I uh, I just got to say, I, I think Georgia will absolutely just annihilate Florida State, especially seeing what the Seminoles were kind of looking like. Uh, in the conference championship game about a month ago against Louisville, who, by the way, just got blown out last night by USC with their um, true – was it a true freshman quarterback last night, or is he like a redshirt freshman? He's a redshirt freshman, I believe. Okay. Well, either way, it was still his first collegiate start. Um, and he, uh, 
he still dropped six touchdowns, uh, which was incredible. So long story short, uh, Florida State, they just, you know, that defense is is only so good. But at the same time, I think Georgia and Carson Beck, Brock Bowers, and so um, I just think they're just going to absolutely steamroll the Seminoles here. Yeah, I'm with you. Like we said, a lot of these games are about motivation and who's opting out and who's opting in. And while Georgia has a lot of guys that will be sitting out as well, I mean, you still have Carson Beck and Dylan Bell. And, I mean, you just have way more guys than Florida State has. And Tate Rodmaker also entered the transfer portal. So you also have your freshman starting again. And that did not go too well last time. And I don't really see it going too well this time. So I think Georgia is a 20-point favorite. They probably cover that. And, uh, oh, real quick, I want to correct myself. Uh, Joe Alt plays for Notre Dame. I got them mixed up. I was thinking of Penn State offensive tackle Olu Fashunu. So, my bad there. But yeah, I think that about wraps up our New Year's Six. I think, uh, I mean, Missouri, I'm looking forward to that game. And I think Ole Miss could be fun. A couple of other ones I don't think would be as great. But so, great CFP. So, while we're still kind of on the topic of Florida State. Did you see that they filed, or there's? I think I saw something that said they're potentially starting the process of leaving the ACC with the SEC and the Big Ten would be their first choices. Um, and then I think I saw the Big 12 would be kind of like a fallback plan. Um, do you have any opinions on that? Like, what do you uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I totally understand the move, especially what happened this past season. Um, no questions asked. It makes total sense. But also at the same time, it's kind of like why you know but um what what are your thoughts on that so i had read that florida state apparently had been kind of thinking about this for a while they just did not want to try and make this move during the season because they thought it would be a big distraction to the team and the players i mean really the big issue here is the grant of rights for for the acc i believe runs through 2036 and i think it's over 500 million dollars if florida state wanted to get out of that bunch of lawsuits lawyers involved and the other thing is uh look obviously florida state is a big brand but at a certain point i think that the sec and the big 10 you want to stop growing at a certain point so you don't have to split revenue with 20 different teams so Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean because if florida state leaves you know teams like north carolina are going to want to leave clemson definitely would and i mean even duke has a lot of value in terms of basketball so I mean, there's a lot of Miami, so a lot of moving pieces here. It's, yeah, I don't know. What were your thoughts on it? So as I was kind of just saying a moment ago, I, I understand where they're coming from, especially with the whole events that have kind of happened this year. And now people always claim SEC bias when it comes to the playoff committee. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I agree with you. I think with the amount that the SEC and Big Ten have grown in the past few years, um, it, it, they need to probably tap the brakes again just for a little bit. Um, so I ultimately think um, it would be – well, also the thing with the SEC is that you have the Florida Gators in there, and they play every year at the end of the season. Kind of, you know, It's an in-state big game rivalry. And so it would be really interesting to see if Florida State is officially able to leave the ACC, what, you know, someone like the Florida Gators and, you know, their athletic department and all that would have to say about their rival Florida State wanting to get in the same conference. But as we all know, that doesn't seem to matter with Texas and A&M being in the same conference now. But anyways, um, there's just there's a lot to, to factor into this, of course, as you were saying, with like lawsuits and you said it was like a 500 something million dollar thing for the ACC. 
Um, I, I don't. Re- I don't really know. I mean, because the ACC, it's not like it's falling apart at the seams like how the Pac-12 did. I mean, they still have some respect, like really respectable teams, as you just mentioned. Well, of course, with Florida State and Miami, Clemson, and Duke for basketball. I mean, NC um, State's always a solid team as well. Yeah, they're always scrappy. Uh, Louisville, keep in mind as well. Um, it's not like the ACC is truly, it's, it's, they still got a lot of really good pieces and teams in that conference, but I guess if Florida state in their eyes, after being robbed of the playoff this year, I think the only way in their minds now for them to have made it maybe this season was to have maybe just a little bit of a better strength of schedule. And the only way to do that is by jumping into another conference such as the SEC or big 10 that can offer that to you. Um, but at the same, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong. This is just kind of my take on it. I feel like Florida State, since the whole playoff snafu, is just kind of like just jump ship and just like completely like freaked out about it. I mean, for God's sake, they're trying to like they're like threatening legal action against the playoff committee about the. They're not threatening. They're actually they are taking yeah, legal action against it. it. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily say like sore. It's not like sore loser here because well they haven't lost, but um, it's just like. Once they were officially left out of the playoff, everything just went to hell. Um, that's just my kind of take on it, though. Maybe just get like a knee-jerk reaction from the Seminoles, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because it does get annoying hearing about it all the time, but I also know if that was my team. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I would be... Yeah, I, I would march on Grapevine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's a- crazy. There's too many... There's... I think there's too much politics and lawsuits in college football like let's just play football yeah no i totally agree well especially now with the portal and nil i mean that, that just only came in to make college football just a complete just mess well it's funny so i was talking to my dad about it and my dad was like i think college football got way more serious than people thought it would yeah and i think it's a kind of a good point yeah no absolutely um because hell i mean for the longest time even when you and i were kids still growing up like college football dudes just played for the love of the game and they love their schools and um they they realized that um you know they were getting free educations from world-class institutions all across the country and you're playing football with a chance to go professional i mean that was good enough for decades and decades and decades and then finally of, of course like everything else the the almighty dollar just reigned supreme and everything and so the nil just came in and once that happened and the whole transfer portal thing it just opened up a, a world of pretty much unrestricted free agency feels like um i mean you also need i think the biggest problem is that you need some sort of central figure and leader in college football and they don't have that well the ncaa is just so spineless and just just weak they right. they don't have that and yeah they don't have actually any sort of legal power Mm-mm. so anytime someone brings up a lawyer against them they just fold yeah and so i don't know it's uh it's a tough thing, and I also think it sucks. I mean, the portal is what it is. Uh, it just sucks, especially when I'm looking at Texas. I mean, Texas has has a couple guys that entered the portal that are not going to get to be the team for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And what are the odds that you go to another team? If you're transferring from a big school, you're probably not going to another big school. I mean, you're probably not going to make the playoffs again, and a lot of these guys have to miss out on the playoffs because of the way that the calendar is set up in the NCAA that you have to – your free agency is in the middle of the season. Well, a prime example of this, especially last night too, um, and the the Texas Bowl, the A&M Oklahoma State game. Um, oh God, uh, Mike Gundy's son. I can't think of his first name. But Gunner. He, yeah, Gunner. Well, that's a hell of a name. <laughs> Gunner. Great name. Yeah, Gunner Gundy. Um, anyways, 
Um, he's the backup quarterback at Oklahoma State, and he actually had a rushing touchdown last night in the bowl game, even though his name is officially in the portal from Oklahoma State. Like that's just how screwed up college football is at the moment. Um, that that would actually make. I just thought of this. That would actually make it for like another great episode of us if we could like just think of like ways to maybe fix college football and things like yeah. that. Yeah, that could be fun. Um, I think we do a pretty good job. And I mean, similarly, like Texas has a guy. Uh, Casey Kane, who's kind of in the second team unit with the receivers, who's committed to UNLV, but is in the playoffs. He's playing. He will be on the roster for the playoff. Right. God, dude. And it sucks because, I mean, I'm sure that because the way it goes, if you're in the portal, I mean, spots are getting taken quick. Yeah. You also don't want to miss out. I mean, your season is still going on. How do you think that would feel, though, like once he walked in the locker room for like playoff prep practice? Like, how do you think that felt like if he was already committed to that school and everyone's like, oh, like you just kind of quit on the team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it is kind of different if you're more of a second team guy. Yeah, he is a guy that that doesn't really play a lot. And I think he's kind of a well-liked guy around the team. So but I mean, I know what you mean. I mean, especially if it's a guy like. I remember whenever Justin Fields did it for the Sugar Bowl, it's probably kind of weird if you're like, hey, I mean, if our quarterback goes down, you're going to be in the game and you're already pretty much going somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting thing to balance. It's a, I don't know, hopefully with the 12-team playoff, we'll have kind of a shift in the schedule, but it's yeah, no, I, it's hard. Yeah, I, don't know no, how I, do it. I, uh, I hope the 12-team playoff will certainly help. If it will, it, It'll at least certainly help us as fans because we'll get a handful of more games than we normally would now. Well, so, and real quick, uh, the thing that we never really even talk about is that a lot of these, I mean, these are all universities. And so when it's happening, I mean, these guys have to transfer by early mid January because that's when school starts. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, it's a, I don't know. It's a hard thing to balance. I'm not really sure how you fix it. I don't know, but to be fair, I feel like there are a lot of college football players out there that don't go to college to play school. They, yeah. they just go for football and football only. So, um, I feel like academics, oddly enough, are probably some of the burner, like yeah. the last priority for a few of these guys. Um, well, I just mean in terms of like when you have to actually, yeah, we like because, be there. Right, yeah. yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I, I got you. I completely agree. Um, you want to look at a hypothetical 12 team playoff scenario for this year, real quick, just to maybe see what, uh, what next year could have in store for us? I'm getting excited just, just looking at it. I yeah. mean, you would have, uh, you would have Oregon, Missouri in Eugene up top and then you would have florida state and liberty in tallahassee penn state ohio state in the shoe and georgia Ole miss in athens so that'd be a rematch and then the winner of those would get to play the uh some of the top four teams yeah i mean i think it would be awesome i mean you do already get ohio state penn state and georgia Ole miss so i kind of wonder if when this scenario would happen if the committee would kind of shake up the spots a little bit just to avoid those uh, but shoot, I mean, I think Oregon Missouri would be a fantastic game in Eugene. The thing with this is that what stands out to me the most is um, it, it just has to be the on-campus playoff games. Like I realize if you're a top four team, of course, that's what you're ultimately playing for. It feels like because um, you'll get that first round by you kind of get that rest, get your guys back. But at the same time, just the absolute electricity of having a one a one game on campus playoff game like that would just be so much fun and that, i mean that's exactly what we're getting next year so we'll see how that goes um but man i just i cannot wait for that but um anyways yeah i mean as you're saying some intriguing matchups here most notably oregon missouri that would be assuming that no one opts out and everyone stays healthy things like that that on paper would be a just hell of a game that i would i just i 
out of all the games here, I, I would watch that one for the longest. I wouldn't want to change off that one over pretty much any other game on the schedule. Um, and then, of course, as Colton said, you got Florida State Liberty as as the where these two programs are right now. That that might uh, it'd be like the battle of mid kind of feels like, <laughs> you know, the Twitter meme. Um, Penn State, Ohio State is, and uh, Georgia Ole Miss, you know, those are rematches. So I do I, I kind of do agree with what you said a moment ago. I do think the committee would probably find a way to shake that up a little bit just to eliminate all these rematches. Um, I don't know, though, because if if you have like like a like a one or two loss like SEC team, like that would be paired up with another SEC team like that, kind of like Georgia Ole Miss, um, and say Ole Miss gets left out just for rematch purposes. Do you think they'll they'll threaten legal action against the playoff committee like how Florida State did, or do you think it would, like how do how do you think that would play out? Because I feel like um, it's it's great to have more teams in the playoff, but at the same time you're also creating that many more opportunities for <laughs> lawsuits. I guess right. in this case, yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing. I mean, no matter if you have four teams, six teams, twelve teams, someone's I mean, always getting right. screwed in the someone's end. always getting left out. But you know, I mean, the one thing is that I think it's good that it's kind of known that one of the spots is going to the highest ranked group of five champion because then it's, I think it's kind of harder to complain. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, while I do think that they could do some tweaking, I, I don't really know that that's necessarily fair. Yeah. Kind of like, like the Florida state thing. I mean, I don't think that you can judge a, or make tournament matchups based on how you think it's going to go. You should have to do with who has kind of, you know, earned it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about if you have Penn State, Ohio State, which is already a pretty hyped up rivalry. I mean, if you get that again, but for everything on the line, I mean, because obviously it's always a high stakes game, right? It's like middle of yeah, the year. Yeah. But I mean, say these teams play in week eight, they're both undefeated. The loser still has a good shot at the playoff. If you're doing, now you're playing, you know, for it all. I mean, that's, you know, in the shoe, I mean, it would be an incredible atmosphere. Uh, yeah, and the thing, the thing that's so nice though is that this is, uh, this is our final year um, without that, and yeah. like, because starting next year, this is this is in place, and this is reality. It's going to happen, and so, um, and what's happened with the bowls becoming meaningless, you can't really change it. But the good thing is that now you have the quarterfinals are all New Year's Six bowls, and mm-hmm. so are the semifinals. So you're still going to have kind of. I guess the same meaning back to all the New Year's Six bowl games, and also we don't get this super long lull. Mm-mm. No, I mean, you, you hadn't seen your team play in a month. I haven't seen my team play in a month. Yeah, if other teams are, I mean, are in the playoff. It's going to be like a two week break. Yeah. So when did when would they start this? I guess like beginning or like middle of December. So or? I think it would start middle of December. I think it's a two week break, and then because the national championship next year, I believe, is scheduled for like January twentieth or something. So okay. it's going to be a, like a much later uh, kind of pushback of the schedule. Which, once again, the portal there is is interesting too. Because, yeah, exactly. Like you said, a lot of I mean, we start school January sixteenth, so that's uh, but that's another thing that we'll touch on in a different episode. But yeah, yeah, I mean it's. It's gonna be crazy. I'm just, I'm just really hyped for it. Speaking of which, um, this is kind of off topic, but I know that you and I are huge NCAA, like NCAA EA Sports football fans, whatnot. The video game. Um, between the end of this season and the start of next season, we will have a new installation of that college football game. By the way, Dynasty so, Mode is gonna go crazy. So between the new college football game, a 12 team playoff, and obviously new conference realignments. Um, our lives are going to look completely different from where we are now till pretty much starting in July when Texas and Oklahoma will make the switch. And uh, well, that's when the game's projected to come out. And 
is all the above. So kind of, it's just kind of weird just thinking about where, you know, you and I are recording as of today, just how different like our episode, like a year from now will be when we discuss like next year's playoff. Like a lot of things are going down, but a lot of good things are going down. I was thinking about all those playoff commercials that they show. They're going to be so much longer next year. Oh God, I Got know. Twelve teams in those. <laughs> so, how long do you think like the playoff selection show will be like next year? Because because this past year oh was like gosh. two hours long or something. Just mainly talking about like four teams. So, well, the thing with it is like because I think they did the first twenty or thirty minutes where they had like the quote unquote six teams that were in contention, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would interview all the reporters that were there and then i mean when they did the actual like revealing that only took like two to three minutes i think but yeah i mean they're gonna have to cut down on something or actually maybe they don't because we'll still watch it so then my question as well is if you remember when they um when they did it they announced like to the four like when they did the top six they did it like that weird order they did like the sixth this like the sixth team or they yeah, did, like the then- one and yeah, they did one through three, and they did six, and then and then, and then the four and four. five yeah. was last. So my question is, do you think with the twelve team playoff next year they'll do like everyone else, but like keep the twelve? <laughs> well, the thing is now with the G five team, because what if the G five team is known as the twelve? Then I guess you do. So that's a do, good point. Do, do you leave the kind of ten and eleven? I don't know. Like it's ESPN; they just want to build suspense and drama, of course. So I don't know. It'd be kind of weird, but. I'm I'm just hoping I'm, like that was all my Christmas list this past year is that they stopped doing that in the playoff show. <laughs> it's 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 pretty bad. It's so dramatic. Um, I mean that that we just, we just kind of ran through our whole game previews. Um, this is now the the whole discussion par- portion of our show. Um, is there anything notable going on in in your world of college football? Anything we haven't addressed? Anything you want to talk about? Um, I mean, honestly, I think. I mean, there's been some big portal entrances. I mean, you had Kyle McCord, who we talked about earlier. He goes to Syracuse, uh, partially because Nebraska flipped Dylan Rayola, the five-star quarterback from Georgia. Dylan which was Gabriel, absolutely nuts, by the yeah, way. Yeah, huge for Matt Rule in Nebraska, which I want to see Nebraska kind of be good. I again. do. I, I, I've said it like all year long. I think, it, I think it's just good for college football when Nebraska is finally winning again, you know? And then you have uh, Dylan Gabriel transfers to Oregon, which seems like a good fit to me. Dante Moore also is going to go there, but I guess he'll sit for a year. Uh, Cam makes, Ward, makes DJU, they're kind of all searching. Riley Leonard goes to Notre Dame. Malik Murphy goes to Duke. Uh, I mean, all these seem like pretty fair fits to me. I guess it's cool for Dante Moore if he's fine sitting for a year. Um, Walter Nolan goes to Ole Miss. There's, we love you, Big Walt. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to have to bring it up. It's okay; it happens. It it, it makes sense. This is what this is what's expected in today's yeah, day and age. Yeah, it's part of a new coach. Yeah, it's just it's just par for the course. Yeah, I mean, and there there'll be guys entering the portal for a while, so kind of hard to keep track of all of them. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really have much else to touch on. I don't really either. I I realize that you and I have still yet to just like dive into the whole Michigan scandal thing, which we've kind of pushed off till the end. Yeah, we have. So that that's our bad. Um. So I know whenever Colton and I record our next few episodes in the future, we'll we'll probably touch on it then. Um, as of right now, though, uh, I I don't really know. I mean, I know as of the recording like this moment the the the, uh the pop-tart bowl is on so i'm probably once we're finished here gonna rush downstairs and watch the pop-tart bowl 
The trophy um, looks awesome. It does. Except the whole kind of edible mascot thing. I remember when they first announced that, everyone's like, dude, like you want to eat a Pop-Tart off a dude who's been running around for three hours sweating his ass off? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how that one shakes yeah. out. Well, I think, I mean, that's that's all for me. Um, yeah, then that'll, that'll just about do it then. Um, yeah, we'll... Uh, We'll be back with y'all for a national championship preview. We will. We will, we we will be back for a preview, and then um, I'm sure once everything's like once the dust is finally settled, we can give like an analysis, things like that on the the, the playoff and some near six games. But um, yeah, that will just about do it for this episode. Then uh, we thank y'all very much for listening. As always, once again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, you want to reach out to us, uh, feel free to find us on our Instagram, uh, our, our Twitter, or even check out our website. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, thank you all very much for listening and we will talk to you all very soon. Thank you all.